Hello, Julian. Hello, Mike. Hey, Mike, the yep. guest we got on tonight, yeah, yep. she reckons her favourite chemical is methane because it smells of farts. <laughs> but, but I reckon, I reckon her life smells of roses. I reckon you're right. Mm. Her name's Ruth Greenhill. Should we get her in? Yeah, let's do it. Hi, I'm Mike Brampton. And my name is Julian Hope. Welcome to Veterinary Ramblings. We interrupt the show for an important announcement. Hi there, dedicated listeners. We just wanted to take a little time outside of the show as we've got something very exciting to share with you. We have exclusive Veterinary Ramblings merchandise available now, including T-shirts, mugs, posters and prints. Now, personally, I think my favourite is our T-shirt with a hilarious diagram of cat anatomy, yep. which has been revised to include their sandpaper tongue and treat-detecting ears. And essential for all veterinary students. If you would like to show your support for the show, head over to veterinaryramblings.com and select either the merch button for a one-off purchase through our T-Mill store or select Become a Patron. I'm sure you'll be absolutely chuffed to know that everything in our T-Mill store is fully sustainable, carbon neutral and shipped in plastic-free packaging. By making a one-off purchase, you will help us to plant more trees save water, and reduce carbon emissions. If you want to further support us, become a Patreon and receive items you cannot get through one-off purchasing. A shout-out on the show, an exclusive Veterinary Ramblings content. Every single purchase made will really help us keep on interviewing amazing guests. But if nothing else, we do appreciate you tuning in. Now. Now. On with the, the show. show. Ruth, good evening. Maybe she can embroider some hair for me. Hello, Ruth. Nice to meet you, Ruth. Nice to meet you both. Well done. So tell us about your scuba. We'll get into nursing in a minute. That's fine. We'll do that. But tell us about scuba. snorkeling. Tell us about snorkeling first, because there is a progression, isn't there? Well, yeah. So I went snorkeling on a whim once I just we were I was in Greece with my boyfriend and they were selling snorkels nearby. So we were like well, let's just buy one and see what we can see. And we mm. saw an octopus and um, we didn't expect to see that. And actually there was a local man out with us and we said, there's an octopus, there's an octopus. And he was like, no, no, like, don't say that. And we were like, no, there is, like, here, take the snorkel, have a look. And he was really excited because apparently you don't normally see them where we were. So that was a very good intro to snorkeling. Mm. And then, um, yeah, this March... I was uh, very, very lucky to go on a sort of dream holiday with my sister and we went to the Maldives and um, we snorkeled every day and uh, it was the best experience I've ever had. So yeah, now I want to go further down in the ocean. So I'm going to be doing my paddy tomorrow. You're doing paddy? Oh, you're doing your paddy, are you? Isn't it? Oh, oh, paddy. Oh, all right. Mm. Put another dollar <laughs> in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Put another dollar in. No, it's yeah. okay. I mean, you know, not many people die with Paddy. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that, so that's the other one, isn't it? Pay and die. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Pay and die. So, so which, what course are you doing tomorrow? Uh, there's... Um, open water diving, but it's just the pool dives. And then next month, um, I'll be going to Cyprus and doing it, the rest of it in the actual sea because i don't want to wow. do it in the freezing cold in the uk so. <laughs> i i learned i learned to dive with, with bizak uh in the uk in plymouth and uh, i had a seven nice. mil wetsuit with an additional seven mil jacket and i was toasty warm for most of it um, ah. and then i then i dived at a place called barator which is uh, a flooded reservoir in devon uh down to a depth of of 30 meters and it's it was four degrees c and it was very very cold wimp i started shivering <laughs> <as soon as it's laughs> wimp Even yeah i usual, can imagine you know, hey 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 can i ask a question yeah yeah, yeah. Can, I, can i turn it veterinary can i turn it anesthesia yes ruth if you must you're doing your qualification why is a snorkel the length a snorkel is? And can you get longer um, ones? 
Well, you don't so want to have a longer a, one because then you're. If you get a 20 meter snorkel, get a 20 meter snorkel, you don't need to scuba dive, do you? Just I think Ruth's got this. I think Ruth's got this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you don't want an extended dead space because you're going to have all the air that you've exhaled just hanging in there. So you want it to be as short as possible so it can be above the water, but you're getting the best flow of, well, air in and out. I don't know. Do you, do you know how much dead space any mammal can withstand or tolerate in relation to each breath? I'll save I you that know, one. No. 10 to 15 percent. <laughs> 10 to 15. Yeah, percent. Of, of tidal volume, long volume. Tidal volume. So I'm going to stop there because it will get contentious and we'll start talking about textbook wisdom versus evidence-based measurement. And, and, and some of our veterinary listeners will get all upset because they'll go, Mike's gone off on an anaesthesia rant. But, but go, go off on your anaesthesia rant in a second because... There's another reason, isn't there, the snorkels aren't longer. What, what would happen if you had a 20 metre snorkel? You wouldn't be able to breathe. Absolutely. Just be That's what Ruth said. That's what Ruth said. Two atmospheres of pressure. Yeah, 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 but equally, all you'd be doing is you'd be breathing out or breathing in what you've just breathed out. Yeah, if you could. the volume, which is what Ruth mm. said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, so, so the old... The old uh, uh, iron lung style um, scuba, not scuba gear, was it? Uh, scuba means self-contained. Well, the deep sea diver stuff, though. The old deep sea diver stuff, yeah, they, these things. They, they used to have to pump at um, several times um, respiratory rate to try and get past the, uh, the, the dead space volume within this 10 to 20 metre tube. Yeah. Huge pressures, and often they were smoking next to it. And often they just forgot for a while, and often the divers died. So it was not very good, really, was it? No, no. And from those experiences, an American group of divers got together and thought, We've learned some lessons here, we'll charge some other people to learn to dive properly. And they called it Pat 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 Patrick or something. Pat, Paddy? Paddy? Patty? 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 I can't remember. Yeah. You can probably yeah. tell, Ruth, that neither of us are Paddy qualified. We're both BSAC qualified. The British Subaqua Club. So for, our, for our American listeners, uh, the British Subaqua Club, BSAC, uh, is, is much safer. Generally better. But no, you know, <laughs> if you want to do that, that's fine. That's fine. They, they haven't got BSAC in America, though. Haven't they? No. They've got ASAC. ASAC. Sad sack. ASAC, yeah, yeah. We've got BISAC. Yeah. yeah. That means two. Yeah. Excellent stuff. So carry on. So you, you, you fell in love with this whole snorkeling thing, and then you decided that you were going to dive deeper and strap tanks on your back and just go for it. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I don't... I don't know why, because um, about 15 years ago, I did some sort of intro to scuba in the swimming pool and I absolutely hated it. I hated the feeling of only being able to breathe in and out of that mouthpiece. Mm -hmm. But now, because I have more of a reason to do it, I want to see how I find it. And I just want to challenge myself and, and see what it's I, like. And hopefully I do enjoy it. I think, And, and you've got used to the breathing pump with the snorkel, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, th I think you'll be fine. I think that you will, um, only from, from my limited experience, um, about day two or day three, there will come a point where you'll suddenly lose what is it that I'm doing. And so long as you don't just rip it out of your mouth and go straight to the surface, you'll be okay. You just need to mm. calm down, work out what's going on, and then you'll be fine and just keep breathing. But I've seen the that number one a number of times. Day two or breathing. three. Yeah, just absolutely. Don't don't hold your breath. Just keep breath breathing. Holding is bad. Keep breathing. Yeah, there mm. we go. And yeah. if you don't if you don't like scuba, there's always free diving. Yeah. 
Oh, actually, I love freediving. <laughs> we were we were giving that a go um, when when me and my sister were away, and uh, well, she's now done a, a course to help her with that. But yeah, that was a lot of fun. Fantastic. Where did she do the course? No. Well, she did the course in um, in Jordan in in the um, I think the Red Sea. Um, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Has she dived the Blue Hole? I have no idea, but she has done a lot of diving. So. Fantastic! Yeah, and I, in Jordan, I think they read the they they have um, an airplane that was actually sunk on purpose for divers to mm. go and see the wreck, which is quite cool. That's mm. really cool. Yeah, that's really so. What cool. depths was she getting? What depths were you getting with I I have no idea, but there there was a big boat, and we were going down as far as we could. And um, mm. yeah, it was really fun. Brilliant yeah. stuff. So yeah. you can enjoy that. So if, even if you don't like your scuba, you can go back to that, can't you? But you you keep yourself pretty trim, don't you, Ruth? I know we're not supposed to say that sort of thing because you're into ballet dancing as well. Oh, yeah, I love ballet. That's um, something that I've done sort of since I was 11 years old and um, I've kept doing since. I always say how old I am just about now but it's been mm. many years since then that's fabulous wow and it's really hard work isn't it royal school of ballet RSB, is it or uh yes yeah, the um well the it's called the royal academy of dance um right. but it's um yeah it you need to have sort of a lot of discipline to to keep doing your ballet and to maintain flexibility and, and the strength because even though ballerinas aren't sort of typical big muscles um you have to have a lot of core strength to be able to do mm. that um mm. so i mean when i was at uni i did um i stopped doing it for a year and i found myself getting really really stressed and i wasn't enjoying like i guess life in general as much because mm. i wasn't doing ballet which has always sort of kept me really relaxed and really um grounded and it's something I've always looked forward to doing every week so ever since then when I didn't do it for one year I've always made sure I continue to do it and even um with jobs I've let my employer know oh on a Tuesday evening I have ballet class so you're gonna have to let me finish at 5 p.m on the dot because I need to go to ballet and actually um my employees have been really good for that so um, that's something I've really fantastic excellent excellent and is that um uh ballet for progression you 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 just sort of keeping up your ballet you're doing further exams in it because my, my my daughters both did their ballet exams up to grade whatever and then and then eventually dropped it they, they none of them got particularly high because you can get to, is it grade eight I'm, I'm, I'm really out of my depth yes. until i did i did tap dancing <laughs> i used to do tap dancing i got, I got grade three um, tap dancing when i was uh, 11 or 12 i think but i probably got I about similar with tap dancing <laughs> i did tap dancing before <laughs> i did ballet because um i didn't want to go into ballet classes with small child because it seemed really boring because it was quiet um, and the tap dancing seemed a lot more exciting because they were mm. banging their feet around. Um, but then when I was older, I, I realised it was actually ballet I preferred um, a lot more. But um, now with um, what I do, it goes up to like gold The is the final um, grade, which I did um, many years ago. So now it's just a case of... Uh, doing it for enjoyment but I, I used to do shows and um like charity mm. um displays and things like that and competitions yeah wow of course because the the royal academy of dance is is linked with the royal academy of dancing and acting rather which um so i did i did lambda which is the london academy of music and dramatic arts and i did my acting up to um up to gold um a tap up to three so it's, i think with acting it's up to grade eight and then bronze silver gold so the, the yeah ballet that's the same with it. ballet yeah have you been in shows with your with your ballet yeah i've um 
yeah, performed at um, the Royal Albert Hall, different theatres in London, like wow. Majesties. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I've done lots of different shows. When I was, um, but I used to, I lived in Sheffield for a few years. Um, I was part of a sort of local arts group and um, we did some shows in an old steelworks, which was really cool. Um, hmm. Sheffield is famous for its steel. Um, we were bringing it's life back into, into it. <laughs> well, Sheffield was famous for its steel, wasn't it? Not, not so much anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah not, not so not much so now, but you not. still find uh, knives and forks with it on nowadays. <laughs> You do, and it's uh, it's 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 still well known. But um, when I I went to college in Sheffield, and uh, that was in the oh gosh, the late seventies, early eighties. <laughs> and in in the they let him in. It was only five. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and in the years that I was there, that was the time of the miners' strike, the coal miners' strike, Margaret Thatcher, and the industry strikes. Arthur Scargill, mm. and uh, it completely changed the face of Sheffield as it is today. Mm. But, uh, yeah. Still yeah. a great city with a great heart and uh, and lovely people. So uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, really nice. So Ruth, tell me, you tell your employers, whoever they may be at this point, that Tuesday nights are sacred because that's when you do your ballet. But I thought that you work nights yeah so I work nights now um which is a new thing in the last two years so it's right. a bit different now um because especially with the pandemic um mm-hmm. obviously I couldn't go to a dance studio then so I've learned to be able to do it anywhere and anytime so if my night shift pattern means that I can't go to a class Mm-hmm. I will utilize my break on my shift to do some ballet because I think particularly in a night shift, it's like it's good to have um, both a mental and physical break from what you're doing. So I've had it before where actually we've been lucky on the night and it's been quite a quiet moment. Um, and me and the vet that I was working with, um, I used to teacher some different we used to do some ballet just bring mm. our heart rate down and to to relax and then just work on our strength so we can uh, lift those heavy dogs and things so um yes now I'm working nights I I'm quite lucky because there's different days I can do my classes so I work four nights on and eight nights off so it actually means I can normally do one class a week but um I can do it online as well so that's okay. So you work four nights on and eight nights off. Yeah, that's correct. Okay, so what do you do for those eight? Those eight? Do you switch to days or? Or they're off. I um. Yeah, they're off completely. So I just uh, enjoy my life <laughs> and do my hobbies and everything that I enjoy. Um that keeps me sort of happy and um relaxed really okay so you and what do you have you do a block four nights and then have eight days and nights off yeah exactly okay it sounds ideal yeah it sounds well we all it's a really good deal yeah yeah so what what are your hobbies yeah so scuba diving and ballet you can't fit anything else in surely um no i love i love going on adventures so i like going whether that's um going on hikes or or um i do stand up paddle boarding uh so i now live near some rivers um so i can go and paddle board on them um i like to travel so i, I do go on holiday but i need to um I think I need to do a bit less of that to save money um, and enjoy sort of the English countryside. Um, and then I like, I really like arts and crafts. So I, I do um, embroidery and I've just always got different projects on the go. At the moment, we've just moved house. So I'm um, 
I'm making curtains, I'm doing artwork for the house and different things like that. So I'm very busy outside of work. <laughs> and um Yeah. I yeah. I'm just always doing things. I, I want I want to I'm rather intrigued by this because we, we speak to a lot of people who go through the normal progression. They've wanted to become a nurse or a vet from very young age, and they've studied hard at school. They've gone to college, um, got their qualifications, and then they've sort of sat in this. It's never a nine to five in veterinary medicine, is it? It's, it's more like a, a a seven to eight type of existence. Mm. Um, but yeah. it strikes me that you sort of turned that on on its head i mean was this a conscious thing or has this just evolved and you thought that's a good idea at the time um so i think partly it is a conscious thing um in that when i was at university where i started my nursing studies i i learned uh, as i kind of said before about not doing ballet for a year and, and that sort of affecting me i learned to that I needed to kind of focus on what was important to me. And obviously my job is extremely important to me. I'm really passionate about being a vet nurse and I enjoy it a lot. But in order to be able to give my job 100%, then I need to be 100%. So since I qualified, um, and even before then when I was a student, um, but uh, finishing my studies at college, I um I had a day off a week um as as a student actually just so I could have time to focus on things that weren't veterinary um so I wasn't essentially going to end up burnt out um mm-hmm. like a lot of people often do become um and mm-hmm. to go back to work um and always be sort of have enough energy to bring to work and and give it my all um since the pandemic uh i moved so i was doing days kind of mid pandemic Mm -hmm. and um obviously with everything that was going on there was well for me everything became work um and after about eight months of life becoming just work again i was like no i need time out um and then i went on to the nights and um yeah i haven't looked back ever since because it's Excellent. it's really allowed me to have a good balance. Mm-hmm. That's that's really interesting. Mm. Yeah. So you so mentioned you mentioned burnout there. So have you? We've we've met a few people who've said, "Yeah, I was almost at breakdown point." So have you experienced that? Have you had friends that have uh, gone through that? Well, I think a lot of my friends. Um, colleagues past and present have have gone through burnout um myself after the I think it was eight months but to be honest it's all a blur um of doing the um 2020 vet vet nursing in the day uh to be honest I took three months out of work completely and um I moved back with my parents and I uh reassessed everything uh because I'd just been working uh all the time even in my sleep I could still hear the um drip pumps beeping and the phone going and I was just everything was just racing uh and I yeah I just needed time to have a step back and sort of reassess uh how I would stay in the industry that I loved but stay in it and and stay happy and healthy whilst I I was doing what Mm -hmm. I love um and for me that was to give the night nursing a go there were other reasons to that, partly because I was living with my parents um, in central London and I didn't want to be exposing myself to loads of people in the day. So I knew if I was working at night, I'd be um, in contact with the public and team members less. Um, but yeah, once I started those night shifts, it worked out really well for me. And now <laughs> it's hard to think about going back to days. Sure. And I'm trying to piece this together because I think you, you, you've really hit the nail on the head about, um, about burnout and wanting to get this excellent work-life balance. And a lot of us, I think, settle, particularly in the veterinary profession, for, for as good as or second best. Um, 
it looks like you've gone one step ahead and, and have, have really chosen uh, what what do you need in terms of hours worked to get your money? What do you want to fulfil your career? And what do you want and need to, to stay sane, focused, relaxed and, and, and live long? Uh, and I just wondered, how are you feeling at the end of the four-day shift? Are you thinking, my God, I need those eight days off? Or are you thinking, this is fine. I'm enjoying this. This is great. I'm in control. Oh, and by the way, I have eight days off. So is it a... Um, what if you change it to five days on? Could you handle that? I'm not suggesting you should. I'm just thinking, are your le levels of stress building through those four days to the point that if you didn't have uh, the time off after that, you wouldn't be able to manage it in the short or the long term? Yeah, so I, I'd say I'm definitely in the kind of latter example that you gave there, where at the end of the four nights, I'm like, oh, this has been fun. Like, I've really enjoyed what I'm doing. Oh, now I have eight nights off. That's that's brilliant. Um, and then when I come back for my first night, I never, ever feel the dread. I never feel that, like, Monday dread, depending on what day it is. Mm. Um, I'm always really excited to go back to work. And I'm like, yes, I'm at work. Like, what's going to happen now? Um, but uh, recently I did six nights in a row. Um so I'm I'm in currently working in a new job. Um, I've been working here for three months now. Prior to that, I was working seven nights on and seven nights off. And what I learned when I did that was that after five nights, that's when I started to struggle. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so did the vet that I worked with as well. Um, I don't really think it's that healthy doing seven on. Um, or seven nights in a row um, for extended periods of time um, because it really does take take a toll on you um, and yeah recently when I did six nights in a row on that last sixth night I just came in and I, I started crying in them in, um, in the dog ward and and the nurse the day mm. nurse who was handing over was like I'm so sorry what's happened I was like I'm just tired and nothing's happened I just need to release I need to release some emotion now and I think um, yeah, you have to be careful when you do mm. nights and you have to know what you you can manage because your body does need to rest and um, yeah, you can get tired or you can get in your own thoughts and um, you just need to be aware of how how much your body can handle and if you want to take on extra shifts, whether it's sensible to do that because if you're just going to take on an extra shift, um, for let's say extra money or to help out um if it's if it's at a detriment to yourself then then maybe it's not good to do that and you mm. you maybe need to stay back mm. that's an excellent answer yeah yeah i'm gonna turf my job in and just do four days you only yeah, do, two. do it. just four days not, not four days on you only do two days. anyway Shh. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing Almost wrong with being part-time. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's 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 part-time as a as a general practitioner. He does he works other times as well. Exactly. I, I do. I'm, I'm just a guy who can't say no. That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Trying to organise schedules as to when we're going to record veterinary ramblings. <laughs> well, I'm I'm, I'm working uh, every night in 23, but I think 24 we can bring in a couple of shifts in. Yeah. <laughs> nightmare nightmare do you have any shows coming up at the moment with your belly no no none at the moment <laughs> and when when did you think when did you wake up and think am i going to be a ballerina or a vet nurse well i knew i couldn't be a ballerina because i have uh bow legs which <laughs> means that they kind of go like this um and also no but if if I was to be professional that you wouldn't be able to do it all the time if your bones are like that apparently um but also my mm. parents are quite tall and if you're a child going into the Royal Ballet School, they look at your parents' heights to determine if you're going to be that tall. 
turns out I'm very short. Um, but back then they presumed <laughs> I would grow to be very tall. So mm. yeah, with that, they would have ne- never let me in. So I always knew I wouldn't be a ballerina. And also um, maybe growing up, I was kind of taught that those professions aren't sustainable. Don't know if I believe that now. Um, so I, yeah, I always wanted to be in veterinary. I, I didn't want to be a professional dancer. From, from what age did you want to get into veterinary then? So I have a, um, a little A4 piece of paper from when I was in year two at school. Now, I think that's around seven, but don't quote me on that. Okay. And on that piece of paper, it says, I want to be an Olympic tennis player. I can't play tennis for the life of me. <laughs> okay. So I'm pretty sure I copied that from the person next to me. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to be a vet. And I want to be a gymnast. Um, so at that age, I had no idea what a vet nurse was. So I wanted to be a vet. And I actually wanted to be a vet until until I was 20, mm-hmm. which is when I actually had a place at the RVC. Mm-hmm. And I had already chosen my accommodation in London and I was set to go to vet school on my second attempt at um, applying. Mm-hmm. And I did some work experience at a veterinary hospital. And they had a really, really, really good work experience um, to placement where it was two weeks and they had this set rotor where you followed different members of staff. So I didn't just stand in the vet's room or in the operating theatre. I followed the receptionist, I followed the nurses, and I followed the kennel assistants. And on that mm. placement, I um, that's when I realised what the difference was between a vet nurse and a vet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I chose not to go to a vet school. Um, and I, well, I actually went and did zoology for a bit um, because I thought I can, I don't want to rush into anything because I've wanted mm-hmm. to be a vet for so long. And then I can figure out what I want to do. And that's when I knew that I wanted to be a vet nurse. And I'm really happy I made that decision because I know I would not enjoy being a vet at all. Amazing. Yeah. Wonderful. And have you ever regretted it? No, I've never regretted it. I'm so happy I did that because I think if I had somehow survived vet school, I would have probably left the profession in my first few years because I know that being a vet is definitely not for me. Cool. That's, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, they are, we always think of them as being the same part of the profession, whether you're a vet or a veterinary nurse, you're still dealing with animals that are unwell and dealing with animals that are healthy and trying to keep them healthy. But they are very, very different, and yet both necessary jobs, aren't they? You can't have one without the other. Yeah, they're complementary, aren't they? Complementary, that's the word. That's the word I was looking for, and had I not had that gin, I would have remembered it. Almost hmm. certainly, Julian. <laughs> 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 Almost certainly. So, in that case, then, on, on veterinary ramblings, because we, we, we talk about veterinary and we ramble and we, we, we like to find out about our guests. And we've got a section of the show that I think you probably know about, because I understand you've listened to the show. Of course I've listened to the show. You'd be surprised who's <laughs> listened to the show or who hasn't listened to the show. Chris, what, we've got to listen what, what am I going to challenge you with now? No, it's the 60-second CPD. It's the 60-second CPD. It is indeed. So you've gone through, you've you've studied a lot of different things and you've got an exam tomorrow. Do you not? Albeit scuba diving. Yes. Still a test. Okay. Yeah. All yeah. good. We did. Now, I, I, should, I should explain that actually most of our uh, <laughs> listeners, followers, <laughs> listeners, our listeners, they don't watch. And so a couple of times we paused and we've, we've both, we've all three of us done the OK signal where you circle uh, 
thumb and, and uh, index finger and keep the other three fingers up to, to give the okay sign. Uh, and in diving and snorkeling, we would do that rather than giving a thumbs up sign because what does the thumbs up sign mean? Well, thumbs up means you need to go to the surface. So you don't want to say Absolutely. thumbs up because you dived no, no, no. over. Thumbs up, bad thing when you're diving. Thumbs down, you go down. Thumbs up, you go up. Okay is okay. You know what that signal means? No, no air. No air? Absolutely. Oh. Do you know what that signal means? Clownfish. More eels got my nose. But um, there are a few a few signals you can, you can give underwater. Um, but of course, when you're listening and uh, all you all you hear is this blank and everyone laughs, you think, yeah, I didn't get that. So we're doing the okay signal. We can backtrack that now. <laughs> there we go. Perhaps we should have started that right at the start and said, mm. <laughs> we should have done. And we're all, and we're all back three. To the test you're doing tomorrow. There is we it go. a written test? No, so I've done the um, written test today, which was online, but tomorrow it will be the pool test, so a practical test. Right, and what fine. do you have to do in your practical test? Um, different skills like taking your mask off underwater and clearing the water from it, um, taking your mouthpiece out and um, being able to breathe without air. <laughs> Um, various <laughs> skills. <laughs> that, that would be a trick. I think what you mean is being able to replace it. <laughs> yeah, being able to replace <laughs> it. <laughs> Trying not if to you drown. Breathe, you can breathe without air. You don't need padding or anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I used so to be a snorkeling instructor years ago. Oh. And uh, I used to teach kids. And my favorite trick was to get them all lined up on the side with all their gear. Their fins, their snorkels, their masks, all checked, all ready. And I make them take them all off. And then I'd walk along the line and throw them all in the pool. <laughs> and then I'd say, class starts in three minutes. Go. <laughs> I think they used to love me. Yeah. Sure <laughs> Definitely. We've 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 rambled. We've rambled. 60 seconds CPT. <laughs> Come on then, Ruth. So what are you up for the challenge? Of course I'm up for the challenge. Perfect. So what are you going to do 60 second CPD on? Um, so it's on how to overcome exam fear. And that's very personal to me because I used to really hate exams. I still well, do a bit, I. but I, I hated them in a very unhealthy way. Oh right. Okay, okay. All right then. So 60 second CPD, Ruth Greenhill on how to overcome exam fear. Have I got that right? Yeah. Starting now. Exams, we all do them whether to gain a qualification or further our knowledge. But for some people, they suffer with more than a healthy amount of exam nerves. Preparation and personalized learning styles can help us prepare for an exam. But some other tools to help overcome exam panic are timetabling to allow yourself to study as well as enjoy and look after yourself. If you become panicked when revising, work off that adrenaline, perhaps through going for a run or having a dance workout. If you need special arrangements for an exam, get these set up in advance, such as taking the test in a small side room as opposed to a large exam hall, or having regular breaks through the examination. If you're really struggling, visit your doctor who may be able to prescribe medications to control your nerves, or refer you to a therapist if this is an ongoing problem. Lastly, during the exam, practice being present. If you feel yourself panicking, take deep breaths and focus on your senses. What can you hear? What can you feel? Are there any smells that you can sense? Once you've grounded yourself and slowed your heart rate, return to your exam questions. Wow. Absolutely perfect. Spot on. There we go. And, and excellent advice too. That's really good. It's really good. Very good. I, I, agree. I, I must just say, so when I did my, my first degree down in Plymouth, uh, one of my friends that uh, really 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 suffered from exam nerves and and uh, a couple of times um failed her exams because she uh, panicked so much that, that she hyperventilated panicked and and, and and ran out of the exam room and so for the final exam uh the doctor prescribed her some um beta blockers uh and uh, i think some valium as well this was you know quite a while back 
think things were, were less progressive then in terms of therapy. Um, and but but he did say that the doctor did say to her, you know, take these tablets, and when you get into the exam room, close your eyes, count to 10 before you even look at the exam paper. And she did that and fell asleep. Yeah. Woke up five minutes before the end. <laughs> oh my god. Fortunately, the invigilator saw that she'd been asleep for the whole thing and couldn't have cheated. So allowed her to take the exam immediately afterwards in the side room but um <laughs> at least she was relaxed <laughs> she was nicely relaxed nicely relaxed yeah but that's that's good advice and a lot of people do get uh, really unnaturally and unhealthily worried about exams hmm. uh, in, in, in vast excess of the uh, of the uh, disadvantageous results of failing hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned you mentioned there that you you suffered from exam nerves yourself. Yeah. So, um, but that's part of the reason why I um, finished my vet nursing qualification at college instead of university. Mm-hmm. Um, the last exam that I did at university, it was a veterinary anatomy exam. I remember opening the paper, and the first question was about the heart, and it was um, a page where we had to write a diagram draw a diagram, label it, and then explain the circulation of the heart. I literally drew a child's heart and then flicked through the, and I think I wrote like left, right, atrium, ventricles, that was it. And then I flicked through the rest of the exam paper and I I just panicked and um, yeah, I I had a panic attack and I left the exam after about five minutes Mm. and um, Obviously, I didn't pass that exam, but with that experience, um, I think it had kind of the way that I viewed exams and the fear I had of failing them, it kind of been building up to that for that to happen um, because I wasn't really viewing them in a healthy way. um, And I was allowing that fear to sort of overcome any of my studying beforehand. And then when I was in the exam, it was just kind of taking over and I couldn't concentrate on the questions and I couldn't show what I knew because I was I was so worried about um not remembering but because I was worried I never remembered um so I um yeah that I I had a year out um with the intention to go back to university after that year out um but once I had that time out I realized that I needed to have um, a bit less of an exam-heavy environment to to continue my studies in. Um, And I had a very healthy environment at the college where I finished my qualification. Um, And yeah, I didn't have that fear of exams anymore. A a healthy fear, but not not that crazy fear. (laughs) There's there's got to be a healthy, you say fear, there's got to be a healthy something, hasn't there, to create the adrenaline surge, which helps it. The mind go but when it gets so stifling you can't think of the answers or, mm-hmm. or anything about the subject that, that's not healthy and it leads us on i think quite nicely to the the question we asked you to devise the um reflection question because as we all know cpd on its own is no good without a reflection absolutely so could, could we ask you your, your reflection question uh, yes, if I can remember it. <laughs> um, so, so I think the question was, is when you do an exam, is it more important the qualification that you get from the exam or the result that you achieve? And part of the reason that that's the reflection question is because particularly, I think, for vets, um, often when you're at vet school, You've had to be the best in your year, achieve straight A's, straight A stars to get in. And you go to vet school um, with this mentality that you need to always achieve the best grades and the highest marks because that's all you've ever done. Most people. Mm. Um, And sometimes you don't actually need to get the top grades and being able to, you know, if you're not going to be an equine vet, then don't worry, just pass that exam. 
who cares <laughs> if if it's not your best mark as long yeah. as you pass it and it's out the way that's more important than stressing yourself out and um trying to re- achieve the top the top you can possibly get good reflection and again good advice uh one of our lecturers always used to say to us you need 50 percent for this don't sweat it. If you if you do a certificate in this, then then you need more. But for now, you need fifty percent. That's, That's close enough, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I always remember uh, a biochemistry exam that I did in the third year. I think it must have been. I was running out of time because I I'd, um, the previous question was on Krebs cycle, and I, I did that at degree level and loved it. And so I, I got hopelessly carried away looking at the. Um, uh, the electron structure of uh, of each individual compound, and then thought, oh, oh God, oh no, I haven't enough time. Uh, so I looked at the last question, which said, "What does inhibin do?" So I wrote, "Inhibin inhibits," and then ran out of time. <laughs> <laughs> but I got one point. <laughs> That's all that matters. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say they really enjoy the Krebs cycle. <laughs> What? Mike? <laughs> what? You've been you mixing with the wrong cycle. people. Oh, oh dear. Ah, heavens you, above. You, you look at the three-dimensional structure of malate sometime and yeah. uh, blow your mind really well. Oh, what, what's, what's your favourite chemical compound and why? Um, We're not going to limit you to, to the tricops. Um, this is um, <laughs> any, any it was a trick, organic. It was a trick question. No, but this is um, this is an awful answer because my favourite chemical compound is methane CH four because it was the first compound that I learned because methane is in farts and that's how much of an adult I am in that my favourite compound is a fart. <laughs> Brilliant answer. What a great question, eh? Love it. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) We normally normally say what the world really wants to know is what's your favourite bread? Yeah. But I I like chemical compound, actually. (laughs) That's just a better answer. While we're on the subject, what is your favourite bread? Um, Sunflower seeded whole grain. Yeah, nice one. Yeah, I nice hate one. sourdough. I can't eat sourdough. Oh. Not, not that. Oh, controversial. <laughs> I um, I, I recently lost my my sourdough ferment. He cried about it. Really just... He found me up. <laughs> oh, gone. It's gone. Can't get gone. It's gone. What? What's gone? What's gone? I, I, I thought I was over it. The family, the family, what? The house is burnt down? What? what? No, 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 no. Yeah. Fair enough. All good. But nothing nothing beats a nice uh, nice sunflower wholemeal batch, does it? Now, are are we talking crust or uh, or soft? Oh, there's got to be a crust. Hmm. Sure. Yeah. Do you go, there's there's, there's a movement these days, isn't there, to go for a a slightly burnt crust? A burnt crust Mm. type is no, I'm not burnt Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> it's a bit carcinogenic for me, I think. Yeah, yeah, but this uh, it is, absolutely. But it's still going for it. I think we're drifting away from the subject, which is methane, farts, uh, and you, you've put up very well with two on bonds uh, tonight, talking to you. Um, <laughs> I think we should wind things up because you've got a, an exam tomorrow and you've got techniques for not getting stressed, but... I'm sure you're thinking, oh, my God, I've got to do Zandora. And we don't want you to think that at all. Uh, all I'd like to do is pass you over to Mike, who will do the summing up. Ah, but you haven't done the certificate yet, Julian. While I, while I get the certificate ready. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? So I've just got to fill whilst, and cover your mistakes. Yeah, have another drink. Yeah, yes. I think I want a drink as well. I'll have another drink. Yeah. I'm, I'm on it's totally nice actually. I've moved on to an eight med now. Yeah, very good. Have you got the certificate ready or have I got a fill? I've got look, I've got it, I've got it. Oh got it. here we go. go then. Professional filling. Certificate of defeating exam fear. 
Oh. This certifies that we can face our fears and just go for it anyway. And it says, just dance. And so what do we have? We have we have a fish and we have someone scuba diving. That's about uh, it's my wife scuba diving. Um I didn't ask permission for her to, to have this photo on display. So there we go. Uh, this is when we were in Malaysia on a honeymoon, and it was the first time ever she scuba dived. And she got this wonderful Charleston move going uh, to keep herself sort of balanced rather than adjusting her uh, life jacket. There was this do, 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 and, and the hands are going tremendously well. So myself and the, and the um, instructor we went down with, grabbed hold of her i actually took all the air out of her adjustable buoyancy life jacket and held her so she wasn't continuously going up and down because she was getting very very close to some lionfish which i thought was a bad thing anyway that's uh scuba diving there what have we got there that is oh, there's some clownfish there we go oh, nice. and and there's mike uh, who's just successfully parked a rib uh, on our, our boating course very well <laughs> And you mentioned embroidery and uh, some things you made. And I thought, well, I made this um, scrub top. And I went to uh, a music festival recently and painted my first face to, to match the scrub top. So, uh, I did wonder why you were wearing camouflage at work. I was a bit confused. <laughs> yeah, for, those who don't, for those who don't know Julian, he's got a veritable collection of weird and wonderful bright colored exotic scrub tops and he loves them so much he wears them around exhibition halls as well and i do uh, wears I them many of which i've made myself there we go oh, i love cool. it yeah there you go so, i want they, a wacky one too well it strikes me you've got the skills to make them yeah make one. you, you should go you should, we're going we're going to business roof it's a great idea <laughs> <laughs> well, there, that, so that's that's your CBD certificate, uh, and anyone who watches this is entitled to, uh, to to download one. Download it and uh, then send it to the RCVS claiming a full one hour of CPD. Well, yep, well, sixty seconds. Well, well, thank you very much for the yeah. certificate. You're very, very welcome. You're more than welcome. And if you've enjoyed, uh, if our listeners have enjoyed what they've heard from Ruth, and uh, please get in touch. Click like, share it, and please subscribe because it does help. It makes a difference. And uh, all it leaves for us to say is, Ruth, thank you very much indeed for sharing your life with us this evening. May your dog go with you. May your dog go with you. Cheers. 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 Yamas. Brilliant stuff. Mm -hmm. Listen, good luck tomorrow. Thank you. You'll be fine. Don't break a leg. Well, I could still swim with one leg, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, you'll be That's fine. You'll be fine. And, yeah. and enjoy once you've once you've got your qualification. I mean, I'm sure you've enjoyed the journey to get to this point anyway, and you've learned a lot every time you've you've been studying. So uh, you know, you'll get your qualification, you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. excited. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. That's brilliant. And enjoy your time in Cyprus. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Doesn't feel real. I booked it last minute. I only booked it a few days ago. <laughs> there you go. You're going to Cyprus. Yeah. Enjoy. Thank you. That's brilliant. All right. Take Ruth. care. You take care. Bye. Thanks Bye. for talking to me. You're very, very <laughs> welcome. Thank yeah. you for talking to us. <laughs> okay. Take care. Bye. 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 Bye.